The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, with your host, Paul J. Laverty, and sponsored by Castlemaine's signature bookstore, Stoneman's Book Room. Broadcast on 94.9 Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. All aboard. Welcome to The Quiet Carriage with myself as your host, Paul J. Laverty. And I'm lucky enough to be over in Scotland at the moment. And whilst I'm here, I thought I'd bring you a few interviews with authors that are based out this way. And today, our focus will be sports fiction. And I'm going to be interviewing an author by the name of Ashley Hickson Lovins. And he is the author of a work of sports fiction, in particular football or soccer. And his book is called Your Show. And it's out now via Faber. And here is, uh, firstly, here's the blurb from the novel. The Uriah Rennie Show. Damn right it is. From Jamaica to Sheffield to the recently formed Premier League, Yuri rises through the ranks as a referee, making it to the highest level of our national game. But along the way, he is confronted with tensions and prejudices, old and new, which emerge as his every move is watched, analysed and commented on. Your show is the thrilling story of one man's pioneering efforts to make it against the odds to the very top of his profession and beyond. And here's a little bit about the author, Ashley Hickson Lovins. He was born in London in 1991 and is a former secondary school English teacher. He is currently completing his PhD in creative and critical writing at the University of East Anglia and is a lecturer of creative writing at the Arts University Bournemouth. In his spare time, using his experience as a football referee himself, he formally observes semi-professional referees for the FA. His debut novel, The 392, was released in April 2019. I wanted to give you a bit of uh, idea of the style of the book. It's written in second person point of view. And this is the opening of chapter one of the book, Your Show. 1997. It's a double celebration tonight. Not that many will care about your starring role. You carry the weight of the occasion on your shoulders. Take it in your stride. You've worked hard to get here. Earn these palpitations, the dry mouth these uncontrollable jitters, short breaths, thumping chest. You've dreamt of this moment for years now, and what a night to make history. Here in this, the first competitive fixture at Derby County's shiny new stadium. You, the first black man to referee in the Premiership. You must be the proudest man at Pride Park. And here is my very recent interview with the man himself, the author of your show, Ashley Hickson Lovins. Today on The Quiet Carriage, I'm joined by Ashley Hickson Lovins. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to meet you. And here we are. Well, we're in a pub in <laughs> Scotland, but we've got a lovely backdrop of uh, the National Stadium, Hamden Park. What a what a brilliant set! I don't think I've done a setting like this for a, you know a football related interview. Anyway, it's fantastic. It's pretty special. Yeah, we were giving a little tour earlier, and um, yeah, very impressive. Very very impressive. My yeah. first time there, and I would love to come back. Really good. Yeah. So yeah, why are you here? Firstly, let's talk about that. 
so, um, back in February, I think I saw on Twitter that there was this international football conference, and I was like, I've been to quite a few conferences. Football seems like the most detached thing, um, subject you'll ever find at the conferences that I go to, PhD conferences, which I'm sure you've been to many. Yep. So I was like, a conference all about football? Yes, please. So I submitted a paper more or less straight away, linked very closely to my PhD, yep. uh, which is about uh, your show, the novel, um, but also black footballers generally and the depiction in the media and, and autobiographies and such. And um, it was accepted. And I, I gave a very short presentation of 10 minutes. It seemed to have gone down really well. So I'm chuffed. And that's why the beer is going down extra sweet right now. So that's you done. That's me done. Oh, brilliant. Yes. So you just get to enjoy the, enjoy the, well, not festival, but conference. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. That's brilliant. And that's what we're here to talk to you today about. It's your book and it's called Your Show, out now via Faber. I love football books. Uh, I've written a football book. There's not many football writers football fiction writers out there uh and i i absolutely loved this i absolutely ate it up it's not what i expected because it's not really about a footballer it's about a referee what um i've got so many questions about this <laughs> yes, so we know yeah. where to start but well firstly why football why do you write a football novel i love football um I think the first goal that I remember, um, so I'm obviously based in the east of England in a place called Norwich, and the first goal that I remember well, was when I was living in London was Michael Owen against Argentina in the, in the 98 World Cup. Um, and that's quite late on. I mean, most some, some, some kids and some children remember football a bit earlier, but I was seven. I would have been seven. So it was a bit late, but mm -hmm. I remember when that ball went in, when Owen went on that mazy run and went past all the Argentinian defenders yes, and touched it away. Yeah. He was 18, I think, at the time. Yeah. I was like, I love this game. Um, was never very good at it um, could, could just about scrape onto the football teams the school team uh, if they were really really short um, so yeah never really good at it and it was age 16 that I randomly saw an advert at the new Wembley Stadium I call it the new Wembley Stadium because it had just opened when mm -hmm. I saw this advert it was a under 21 England under 21 game against Italy under 21 mm -hmm. it was free all and at half time I remember seeing this advert from the FA on the board and it said become a referee and that was the first time I'd ever thought about it, really. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, all right then, I'll do it. So I asked yeah. my dad to pay for the course for me for my birthday, and he did. And, and that's where it started off. This love of football uh, really took off from there, I think, but in a different kind of way. So I'd sported uh, Manchester United growing up, and I you know, was a bit of a, um, a massive fan and watched it religiously on the TV. I'd been to Old Trafford a few times. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, being a referee, qualifying as a referee age 16 was really a game changer for me. You know, it made me see oh. the game in a completely different way. So, and I haven't looked back since. Well, I was going to say that because being a referee, I imagine you can't really enjoy the game much because you must be in it from a completely different angle. Almost like a sort of, is it sort of like a school teacher kind of role? I mean, what's... Yeah, you enjoy it in a different kind of way. You really enjoy it. Like, you don't enjoy it as if like you're scoring a goal into top bins or you know whatever it is but yeah. you're enjoying it when you see players are getting on with the game when you're letting the game flow and you're not getting too much stick because you know you're having a good game there are moments when you know you've got a decision right or you've spotted something mm -hmm. which maybe some of the others haven't seen or the players are just like really surprised that you've seen it and everyone just goes oh fair play ref fair play or, or like you know um yeah, you'd be able to have a bit of banter. I hate the word banter, to be honest. But, you know, you give a bit of banter with the players yeah. and they're like, oh, fair play. The ref's yeah, got something yeah, about yeah. him, you know, and I love those moments. So you win in different kind of ways. Yeah. They say the best thing, best feeling as a referee is when you give an advantage, so you let the players play on and they score. 
and th- that's when you know that as a referee yeah. you've played it fantastically I don't feel as um, euphoric about that moment because I don't think nothing will ever compare to scoring a goal if you're an actual player but it does feel pretty special moments like those I think I just think I'm, I'm too sensitive and I'm too much of a people pleaser and I do not like confrontation that's and exactly why I stopped exactly why I stopped so I, I did it for 11 years I got to semi-pro level uh, got quite high up I was quite well regarded in, in, in certain refereeing circles but I remember players saying to me you can't be everyone's friend referee and I was like oh but I want to <laughs> you know I want to get on with everybody I want to have a yeah. chat with you I want to have a pint afterwards you know yeah. and I realised you, you literally can't do that as a referee yeah. you know you've got to uh, you know toe the line you've got to be quite hard um, quite hard lined and um, yeah I didn't want to do that anymore you know I, I wanted to enjoy the game yeah yeah know? I love your book because I've never really thought much about being a referee before and some of the things you said in your book about you have to look at I mean a lot of our listeners won't be that into football so I won't go too into it but uh, you have to look at three three angles at once <laughs> yeah. you know and it must be wow like that's pretty stressful yeah it is stressful and I've taken that into my life probably a bit negatively whereas like I go into places pubs, bars mm-hmm. anywhere I'm like I'm always looking behind me Not not <laughs> it's, it's not like I don't think it's terribly uh, detrimental to, to my I don't know like mental health or anything but it's just like I'm, I'm, I've got eyes on the back of my head I can yeah, yeah. I can clock what people are wearing I know what the bar lady looks like now uh, I've, I've clocked as soon as okay. I walk in I just, you clock these things I'm like a bouncer yeah um, and and being a writer as well yeah exactly exactly, being a writer exactly yeah, yeah, observational yeah. looking at people's uh, gait and their trainers and how they're speaking in the corner all that sort of thing I picked those all up um, but yeah. refereeing changed my life I was a bit of a wow. shy teenager yeah, I yeah. Didn't, my mum my, my used to send me to the shop to like I don't know, for errands or go to the post office to send a parcel. And I'd be like, oh, I'm too scared. I don't want to do it. Now, yeah. no problem. I'd do anything, you know. I, I'd just given a presentation. I, I wasn't even nervous about it. That's
You are listening to The Quiet Carriage, the show about books and their authors, broadcast on Main FM and across the nation on the Community Radio Network. Myself as your host, Paul J. Laverty. And now we will return to my interview with the author of the book, Your Show, Ashley Hickson Lovins. So we know why you wrote a book about football and why you wrote a book about a referee. Why Uriah Rennie? And, and some of the listeners might not know who he is. So why Uriah Rennie? So Uriah Rennie is the first and still the only black football referee to referee in the top division of the English game, uh, the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and he retired in 2008. So we're talking, was that, 15 years ago. And there still hasn't been a referee in the middle, or a black referee in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I qualified, I, it was 2007 I qualified. And he was just coming towards the end of his career and I did my first game and I absolutely hated it and I was like why would anyone want to do this like oh, this is this is horrible <laughs> running around taking abuse don't know really what, what you're doing so from that moment I said I want to find out more about the only black referee who's doing it the only yeah. black referee I can see on match today and that was Uriah Rennie um, and um, yeah I remember I tweeted it was about 2010 I think I tweeted and I would have been Oh God! I'd have been 19. Yeah, yep. I'd have been 19. I tweeted, "One day I'm going to write a book about Uriah Rennie," oh. and it took a, yeah. took quite a few years. But I got there in the end, and I just yeah, this his story because if you go on Wikipedia, it says he was born in Sheffield in, in Yorkshire, north of England. He actually was born in Jamaica, um, so everything is is sort of not correct um, about him. And I wanted to find out more about this elusive um, this elusive mm-hmm. figure who starts off in Jamaica, moved to Sheffield mm-hmm. during Thatcherism. Um, during post-industrial job losses, etc., and made it to the very top of his profession. Mm-hmm. Like, an incredible achievement. Um, I'm in such awe of him. I should try to distance myself with that awe, because, you know, a book shouldn't be a, an actual loving, mm-hmm. like a, you know, sort of like a gushing portrayal. Yeah. I did try to get some of his other side to him as well, you know, in that book. But, yeah, I wanted to find out more about this man that people have seemed to got wrong yeah. um, throughout his whole career and also in the media and, and on Wikipedia, for instance. Yeah, yeah. So why not a straight biography? Why did you get pulled towards fictionalising this? Yeah, good question. I mean, when I, when I met him for the first time back in 2018, which is the last chapter of your show, actually, um, I, I thought I was going to go in there and I was going to tell him what I was going to write. Mm-hmm. I was going to do a first person mm-hmm. with novelistic techniques, but a first person book similar to an autobiography you would say about Uriah Rennie that's what I thought I was going to write and then I met him and we got chatting and I thought no this is different this is different this feels different this is me a young-ish not anymore a (laughs) young-ish black man speaking to a hero of his who was a a prominent football referee I'm going to write it using the very unconventional second person so they're using the you because basically it's like an author voice who is similar to me speaking to him directly you know and I wanted to have that relationship about you know I'm sort of probing his life sort of um, unpicking and, and and wanting to know so it's me saying um, you know to, to him basically uh, you know you got undressed you put on your kit mm-hmm. you walked out onto the pitch you uh, ran your diagonal you told players whatever it is um, I wanted to keep that refrain that repetition um, and yeah it seemed to work you know and I also wanted to I also wanted to put the pressure on the reader a little bit because using the second person you, it's a bit like, um, what would you do if you were the referee, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, I'll be honest. Did you play around with other styles, like first person, third person? Yeah, or? the first yeah. 10,000 words were written in first person and, and I did my, my PhDs in creative writing in Norwich yeah. and at UEA 
and the workshop environment can be quite tough you know when you share your work for the first time with other other students or other people doing their PhD and I did when I shared the first um, extract of, of what was it was called a different title then actually but of, of what was to be your show they were like uh, it seems like you're holding back it seems like you're holding back and that actually was really helpful you know I tried to just uh, tried a different style tried second person tried not to hold back talked about his his beef with Alan Shearer whether that was founded or not talked about his beef with Newcastle United or whether that was um, true or not I don't think it was in the end but um, yeah I just tried to like you know let myself go a bit and I have to say I had so much fun writing it and um, yeah I hope that fun comes comes across because yeah. um, it was a real joy because you know my first book which is not about football um, it took about four years to write this was about a year and a half and, and the pandemic helped, you know, in many ways because um, you know, I couldn't do anything else. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was so quick to write, really, because I was just having a real blast writing it. Yeah. And how receptive was he towards the idea of not just a straight up biography, yeah. but you like going into his life, his world, and fictionalizing part of that? I don't think he was um, that keen to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. yeah. And I've been thinking about this. Would I be keen? I mean, I think I personally would be well up for it. But loads of people said, no, I don't want to be. I don't want my life to be sort of unpicked and probed and looked at and prodded at, you know, in my personal bits, my private bits and whatnot. Uh, so I completely understand. And um, he's such a kind man, genuinely. You know, the back of your show has got little snippets of all the charity work he does. Mm. He's patron of so many charities. Um, and I think it's because I said this as a PhD project. And, you know, basically, if I, if I don't write this story, then I don't think I'll pass my PhD. And, and I think it was his heart, his, his kind-hearted nature to say, do you know what, I'm going to give him, give him a chance. And, you know, and, and in the end, I think, and he said this to me in a, in a message, um, that he likes it. You know, yeah. he likes the finished product. And, yeah. um, but he's very keen to stress. Um, and, and, you know, he's very much still alive. He's in his early 60s. He's very keen to stress that uh, this is my version of his story, you know. Yeah. So I think if he wanted to, and I, maybe he might want to do, I'm not sure, I have no, no clue about that, but if Uriah wanted to, he could then write an autobiography of you know, himself or release another book um, about his life. Uh, mine is just a sort of snapshot of his journey. I mean, I don't cover many... I, don't, I cover his early years as a, teen, sorry, as, a, as a young boy and then mm-hmm. a teenager, and there's a big gap until he becomes a Premier League mm-hmm. referee, really. Is, you know, so, um, yeah, no, I, I real, honestly, it's, I'm just so chuffed with it. And um, even if people didn't like it, I know I would like it. So that means that's all that matters. But luckily, it's, it's been decently received, yeah. you know. And yeah. how much fiction is in there? Did you make up any of it? I would say the first half, when he's a young boy okay. and in Jamaica, in Sheffield, sorry, no, I would say the first half is, is quite close to truth, actually. Um, so I, I would interviewed him four times two hours each mm-hmm. up in Sheffield I say up in Sheffield down in Sheffield from where we are in Scotland yep, um, but up in, up for me in Norwich and um, yeah so I had about six hours of, of recorded material and that was mainly focused on Jamaica Sheffield um, starting to referee for the first few games as like park park level and that was it really yeah. and then the rest of it Newcastle United Alan Shearer uh, Premier League years retirement that's all me that's yep. all me and, but it's I did try to stick closely to the truth, and not because I felt like I had to, more because I wanted to, you know. Yeah. It didn't make sense to stick closely to the truth-ish for the beginning and then completely change that for the second half, you know. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, I would say the main thing for me, though, more than the fact that I was sticking close to the truth, was that it needed to be full of pace, it needed to be poetic, it needed to be really engaging for the reader, um, even if you're not a football fan, I hope.
And that is all we have time for today on The Quiet Carriage. My name has been Paul J. Laverty, and there you heard my interview with the author Ashley, Ashley Hickson Lovins discussing his novel, Your Show, which is out now via Faber. And you can hear part two. That will be next week on the show, where we'll be back same time, same place next week. Uh, you could, Just a reminder, you can find me across all the socials under my name, Paul J. Laverty. And until next time, keep reading.